0: Revelation 20 verse 1 says the Apostle John writing and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand and he laid hold on the dragon that old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season now that thousand years is the millennial kingdom I don't have time to even expound upon that at all this morning but it is the righteous rule of Christ on the earth Um, after the earth has been purged of all unbelief repopulated with unbelievers with Christ sitting on the throne satan will be bound for a thousand years Verse 7, there's all kind of interpretations of that passage of Scripture, but that's what I believe. In verse 7, it says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints, about and the beloved city which is New Jerusalem or which is um, the city of Jerusalem and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Now, I know that there's a lot of questions that you could probably ask me about that passage of Scripture. And there's a lot that we could talk about in that this morning. But I want to make one primary point from those verses that we read for a particular reason. Um, And the point that I want to make is that we see in this text that Satan's specialty in this world is deception. Um, He is bound so that he cannot deceive the world. When he is released, he goes forth to deceive the world. If you look at the Bible from the very beginning to the very end, which is, we just read the very end, eternity begins after this. Um, the tribulation is ended, the thousand year reign is ended, um, Satan has been cast into the lake of fire, the great white throne of judgment is set. Revelation chapter 21 begins the new heavens and the new earth. That's eternity. The last thing Satan did on earth was deceive the nations. The first thing Satan did on God's creation was deceive men and women. So from the beginning to the end, Satan specializes in deception. He specializes in deceiving. He came to Eve with a question, did God really say? She answered that question. She actually added a little bit to what God said. And then Satan turned around and said, Thou shalt not surely die. And then he added this deception. God knows that if you eat of that tree, you'll become like him. He's holding out on you. Deception, so the seed of doubt, they ate of the fruit, fell into sin. We're still suffering the curse of that. From the beginning of creation to the end of creation, as we know it, Satan is a deceiver. That's what he does. So if he, is de- if he is deceiving, if his specialty is deception, in every sense of the word, you can summarize what he's doing, deceiving the world. Then the greatest adversary that he has is the truth. If his primary purpose on this earth is to deceive, then the greatest enemy that he has is the truth. And listen, um, all of the demonic work that he does in the world, I think revolves around his attempt to be deceptive and to either outright deny the truth, to suppress the truth, or to twist the truth. That's what he's doing. All of his activity is either an outright denial a suppression of it, or a twisting of it. All of that is deceptive in nature. Why, why is he so opposed to the truth? Uh, first of all, it's because truth is a liberator. Truth sets us free. Jesus said in John chapter um, 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The, tr- the truth is what sets men free from the penalty of sin. Uh, The truth is what sets men free from the consequence of sin. Uh, If you know the truth, you can be freed from sin's penalty. If you know the truth, you can be set free from sin's consequence. Satan doesn't want you to know the truth because he understands that he has a hold on you through the curse of sin, through the consequence of sin. And so he doesn't want you to understand and believe the truth because it liberates you then to live for God, to live for Christ in this world. The second thing that truth does is it's a sanctifier. Or if you want to use another word, it's easier for us to understand. Truth is a purifier. Um, truth helps us to live out that life that God has called us to live. In um, and, and John chapter 17, verse 17, the last prayer that Jesus prayed, he prayed this prayer for his disciples and for all that follow them. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. Um, set them apart. Distinguish them. Make them look different. Make them think different. Make them behave different in this world that they're living in. Purify them. Sanctify them. Wash them with your truth. And so um, that, that truth not only liberates us from sin's penalty, but it breaks sin's power in our life and enables us to live a life that honors God before the world. And Satan doesn't want that. When I, when I did a little study on demonology, um, he don't want the lost to be saved, and he don't want the saved to look saved because that's a threat to Um, The kingdom of darkness. And so he does everything that he can. To stand in the way of the truth. And he does that by deception. In Matthew chapter 24. The disciples ask Jesus a question. I'm kind of laying a a big foundation right here. But in Matthew chapter 24. The disciples ask Jesus a question. About about, um, when would be the sign. Of his coming. Of his return. And of the end of the world. In in, in Matthew chapter 24. Four, four times Jesus mentioned deception. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 3 and 4, that fourth verse says that false prophets are going to rise and deceive many. And I have never seen so many false prophets. Now granted, I ain't been alive but 55 years. But there came a time that a false prophet had a congregation that gathered and listened to him teach. They were not well-known. They, they didn't have a lot of opportunity and ability to get their deception out. But I'm telling you, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok are full of false prophets. Absolutely multiplying by the thousands. And got a huge audience and a huge following. And Jesus said, false prophets are going to rise and will deceive many. In 2411, um, he said the same thing, many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. In twenty four twenty four, he said again that false Christ and false prophets um, will show even signs and wonders. And if possible, they would even deceive the elect. So four times when, when they said, what's going to be the sign of your coming? He mentioned a proliferation of deception entering into the world. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. I'm going to run through these really fast. Of seducing um, spirits. I I probably gave her the wrong verse. 1 Timothy 4, 2. Um, If you read the whole context of that, he talks about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's my fault. That ain't hers. That's what I wrote down too. 2 Timothy 4, 4. Let's see if I got this one right. Yeah, they turn away their ears from the truth and turn themselves into fables. Prior to the tribulation at the rise of the Antichrist, Paul warned them that they ought not let any man deceive them in 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2 and verse 3. Don't let anybody deceive you. Before the Antichrist comes, there'll be a great falling away first. We are, listen, I believe we're living in the great falling away. One of the biggest movements on social media today is deconstructing of the faith Exvangelical Those are the hashtags that people are flying um, There are people that are that, that Who profess to believe Many of them who claim to be teachers And preachers and song leaders And worship leaders Who are walking away from the faith Who are renouncing Christ And who are doing everything they can To attack the truth And to attack the church that proclaims the truth Paul said Before the Antichrist comes That's the kind of deception That you'll see during the tribulation revelation chapter twelve verse nine uh, the great dragon the serpent the devil satan that deceives the whole world is cast into the earth and his angels with him middle of the tribulation i believe is what's being represented here and they go forth to deceive the world in the midst of the tribulation in chapter thirteen verse fourteen which is talking about the beast which is the which is the antichrist and the false prophet um, uh, the, the, the Antichrist, the Bible said, deceives them that dwell on the earth by means of the miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. That's actually the false prophet. The miracles that he performs are deceiving the world. So listen, I read all the passages of Scripture to say this: Satan deals in deception. He deals in deception. And he uses both worldly wisdom and twisted theology to do it. You got this whole contingency of people who renounce everything the Bible says. Worldly wisdom. It don't line up with science. It don't line up with anything. And so they just outright reject and renounce the word of God altogether. It's a book written by men. Every book you hold in your lap is written by men. The difference in the Bible is every book was written by men, but the Bible was inspired by God, the only book that was inspired by God. If you believe what men wrote through um, the centuries and other documents, you ought to believe what the Bible said, because 40 men wrote it over a period of about 1,500 years, and they all agree. And they all tell the same story. It testifies to us of God's plan of redemption. Worldly wisdom, twisted theology, Satan's working in both of those things to deceive. And there are literally hundreds of references in the Bible to the lying, deceiving, counterfeiting, and conniving that Satan does in the world. I ran across this quote, and I think if you, think of, if you give it a little bit of thought and think about what's happening, it'll help me make the segue into what I really want to talk to you about this morning. The quote is this, Deception Is spiritually deadly because at every point that you believe lies, you cannot believe truth. Now think about that for a minute. Every point that you believe a lie, you cannot believe the truth. So when I read that quote, here's the first thing I thought about. Maybe maybe this is a visual that helped me and maybe it will help you. Deception is like a dam that is put up in your life that becomes an obstacle to the truth flowing through your life. And remember, the, the, the truth is a liberator and a purifier. But when you believe a lie, you have erected a dam in your life that prevents the truth from flowing into your life, from flowing through your life, and from freeing you from sin um, and from, uh, from purifying you of sin. So every time you believe a lie, however big or however small, you have erected a dam in your life that will prevent the truth from flowing over. Now you may believe a lie, uh, you're not, you might not believe a wholesale lie about who Jesus is, um, but you may believe a little lie about what Jesus does or can do in your life. And anywhere that you, be, at any place in your life that you have believed an untruth, there is a dam that's erected against that, that truth flowing into your life and bringing that freedom and that purity that Christ would have us to have. So, deception is dangerous. Self-deception is disastrous. Now, I laid all that I've said up to this point for this. This is my primary topical point this morning. I get it. All the false prophets that are gone out into the world. All of the worldly wisdom. All of the twisted theology that's out there. It's dangerous. I won't argue with that at all. I, I try to, to, to say something about it every week. I try to point it out every opportunity that I get. But self-deception is disastrous. Because the enemy, when you are self-deceived, the enemy has duped you into lying to yourself. Now, how many times, we've used that term before. When we, when we see somebody... Um, that's making some kind of declaration that we know is not true, or, or, and we say, you're just lying to yourself. If you believe that, you're lying to yourself. But I'm here to tell you, we're all guilty sometimes of lying to ourselves. We're all guilty sometimes of being self-deceived. Now, being deceived by an outsider, being deceived by by somebody on the outside of us either worldly wisdom or some twisted theology that's easier for us to see and easier for us to deal with than if the lie comes from within our own heart um, and the reason for that is when we, when we know somebody's just lied to us it angers us when we, when we get that hey Uh, And I can read it sometimes, and you can read it sometimes. You'll read a little tidbit of worldly wisdom, and you know that it's in direct contradiction to what the Scripture says. And and, and there's a righteous indignation and anger that rises up in us, and that's not what the Bible says. And so we recognize that error. We recognize that that's in contradiction to the Word of God. It angers us, and we set that aside. When we hear some twisted theology, we say, No, I've read the Bible, and that's not what the Bible says. We get angered by it. When deception comes from the outside, there are red flags that fly up all around us, and we typically can shut them down. But when that deception comes from the inside, we're dealing with a whole different enemy. That, that, that's, a, that's a whole lot harder for us to detect. When we are lying to ourselves, that means that our deception is, is self-imposed. And that we're not even consciously aware of our sin. When we lie to ourselves, we put blinders on and are refusing to acknowledge that we're lying to ourselves. It's a self imposed deception. Um, Founders Ministries, it's a counseling ministry, said that self deception emerges from living on a self referential basis. Such people measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves to themselves. Um, I, didn't, I didn't give her the quote, but if you go read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, somewhere around verse 11 or 12, Paul mentioned a group of people that were doing that same thing. He said, they're, they're com- uh, if, you, if you're comparing yourself to yourself, anybody that's comparing themselves to themselves is not wise. That's where the self-deception creeps into our life. The Bible gave us an illustration of that in the Laodicean church. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus is writing to these churches. And y'all remember this passage. It's the one, uh, we may not remember this particular verse, but we remember this passage because this is the one that, that God says, I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're neither cold or hot but lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And then he tells us what that lukewarmness looks like. He said, you say that I am rich. He's speaking to a church. A a, a group of people who profess to be Christians. You say that you are rich and increased with goods and don't need anything. But this is the church that Jesus sees. This This is how the church sees themselves. We got it going on. This is the church that Jesus sees. You are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. All the church could see was their material prosperity. And Jesus said, you may be materially prosperous, but you are spiritually destitute and you don't even realize it. They had deceived themselves. I found all kind of quotes for this message. I don't know who this lady is. She had a PhD on her name, but that's not what impressed me. I just think the quote is accurate, biblically accurate. We use self-deception to ignore, justify, and commit wrongs rather than facing our feelings and our sins. Self-deception causes us to ignore, justify, or do things that are wrong rather than acknowledging that it's a sin, that it's an error for this. It, it's wrong for us to feel this way. It's wrong for us to, do, to say this thing. It's wrong for us to do this thing. And you know, the longer we lie to ourselves the harder our heart becomes. The Bible talks about a us in our conscience. And the longer we lie to ourselves about things, the harder our heart will become, which will result in um, that sin being more entrenched in our lives and that spirit being more quenched in our life. Now, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. If you, if you cherish a sin long enough, you'll begin to view that thing as not even a sin anymore. And that same spirit that once convicted you um, so sternly um, that you worried about it and fretted about it and prayed about it, um, that spirit has been so quenched in your life that you don't hear that voice anymore. You shut it out. What's shut it out? The self-deception. We lie to ourselves about things to the point that our heart becomes so hard and that sin becomes so entrenched um, that we can't even hear the voice of the Spirit. Over our own lies. And I want to just tell you. Once the devil has us lying to ourselves. Once the enemy has us lying to ourselves. His work is pretty much done. He can just back away and say. I got, they, they're, they're so self-deceived right now. That I don't even need to sow any more deception in their life. I just need to let them continue to wallow in that. If you never read the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, he illustrates all this stuff very, uh, very well. Um, but when we begin to deceive ourselves, we do his work for him. We do Satan's work in our own life, for him, when we deceive ourselves. One of my favorite old preachers, um, if you never read any of his stuff, A.W. Tozier is phenomenal. A.W. Tozer said this about self-deception. Of all forms of deception, self-deception is the most deadly. And of all deceived persons, the self-deceived are the least likely to discover the fraud. When a man is deceived by another, he is deceived against his will. He's contending against an adversary and is temporarily the victim of the other's guile or deceit. With the self-deceived, it is quite different. He is his own enemy and is working fraud upon himself. He wants to believe the lie and is psychologically conditioned to do so. Let me tell you one of the ways that you can, that you can recognize self-deception in your life, and I can recognize it in mine. It's when we always see the sins of other people more clearly than we see our own. And here's the truth. Sometimes the sins of other people will infuriate us when we're guilty of doing the exact same thing. But we can't see it. That's self deception I can give you a biblical illustration of that. When the prophet Nathan came to David, David had been hiding his sin with Bathsheba for probably a year or more. And Nathan the prophet came to him and told him a story about a family that had one little ewe lamb, just one lamb. And that a rich man that had a bunch of lambs saw that ewe lamb one day and said, Take that lamb from that family and kill it and let's eat it. And I'm paraphrasing the story. And as Nathan the prophet told David that story about a rich man stealing a poor man's little ewe lamb. The, the family pet literally. And killing it and eating it. David said, who is that man? Where is that man? I'll deal with him as he has dealt with them. And Nathan pointed his finger at David and said, You. Or that man. After all that you have, after all that God has provided for you, you went and took the wife and the life of one of your servants. You did it, David. That's the nature of self deception. You'll get furious about the same thing that you're doing that you have put the blinders on about now I'm gonna give you a funny illustration of this <clears throat> some of y'all don't have as big a problem with this as some of us do all right? I acknowledge this has become a problem in my life at times a lot of times a few years ago Cindy and I go through this thing where we just talk what do I need to work on where am I failing tell me how I can be a better husband whatever we ask the question we don't we don't have a set time we just when we need something to work on we ask the question don't when you ask the question prepare to be offended alright and so I asked the question one day I done worked on the sarcasm thing I thought I had a little bit of a handle on that and I'm like okay I'm doing better with sarcasm what's next and she said I hate your phone and so my first I get self-defensive because that's what self-deceit does and I'm like, I do ministry on this. She said, everything you're doing on that phone ain't ministry. And I'm like, you're right. You nailed me to the wall. then. she did a Nathan on me. You know, and I'm like, you're right. So we made this deal where, where we just put the phones down in the afternoon. She gets home around 6 o'clock. And we just, made a, we just made a rule from 6 in the evening to 6 in the morning, no social media. We laid the phones aside, kind of reconnected ourselves. It was good. But here lately I've become aware of something we'll both get home and we'll be bored you know we're looking at our phones, we're playing games we're doing whatever she'll be looking at hers and I'll be looking at mine and I'll lay my phone down and if she don't lay hers down within the next 15 seconds I'm ticked off (laughs) y'all know what I'm talking about now we both been sitting there looking at our phone for an hour I'm 15 seconds ahead of her and all of a sudden you don't care that I'm sitting here and you're not paying me any attention. That's listen, that's what self-deception does. It'll infuriate you about something that somebody else is doing that you just got finished doing. That's the nature of that beast. So I'm going to close just, you say, I'm just, he's just getting to the points. I promise they're going to be fast, all right? Here's three ways that I believe we're guilty of lying to ourselves. Now, there might be some more. I ain't, I, I, this is just some things I've been pondering on this week that I believe are scriptural. And, and I, I think you could probably put a lot of sub points under each one of these. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you the main thought this morning. Three ways that I think we are guilty of lying to ourselves here's the first one and it's the big one and i think it's the biggest one of the three believing that we're better than we are can i tell you something i'm just going to be straight up honest with you there ain't not one of us in this building as spiritual as we think we are none of us me including we get up on our high horses and we lift our nose up in the air and we throw our shoulders back because we've done something good or we've had a good week. And we, ain't none of us as good as we think we are. Our, our self-deceit, our, the, our, our, our pride, our ego wants us to believe that we're better off. That we're better than most of the people around us. And that that is an enemy's deception that he plants in our heart. He's the originator. He's the source of pride. And and the source of that in our life is pride. And it'll grow if we feed it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 3 says, If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. The Pharisees we're this, we're this type of people. And I and I just believe there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. And the Pharisee walked in the temple that day and, and smote himself and said, I thank God that I tithe of this and that I pray and that I He He was laying out his list of his goodness. And he even pointed at the publican over in the corner and said, And I'm thankful that I'm not like that man is. that old poor publican over in the corner wouldn't even lift up his eyes and he just said god be merciful to me a sinner. Jesus said the publican went home justified. And the Pharisees too wrapped up in his own self righteousness. When we become unwilling to admit our own sins we're being deceived by ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of a a, a heads up right here. Because sometimes we're willing to say, I know I fail the Lord every day, but we won't name it. I've been guilty of that. You've been guilty of that. We all have. When we're carrying on conversation with each other, we'll say stuff like, I know I fall short of of, of God's glory every day. I know that I fail. I know that there's some... There's some weakness in my life. But you know what we need to start doing? We need to start calling that. We we, we need to start naming that. I fell in this area. I'm weak in this area. Uh, I know that this sin is in my life. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't exist. I want to call it out every day so that I become more aware of it. Rather than deceiving myself and thinking I don't have any sin that I need to deal with. Self-righteousness is self-deception. There's not one of us righteous in and of ourselves. I know who I am without Jesus. Self-deception and self-righteousness walk hand in hand. We deceive ourselves when we believe that we're better than we are. Now, Sometimes that sin that takes root in our life is that we understand what we have in Christ. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. But we don't want to give that to others. Now, you, do you, will you agree with me? The Lord forgives me every day. His mercies are new every morning, and I'm thank, I thank God that they are because I used up yesterday. But sometimes when we get lifted up in ourselves and believe we're better than other people, when we can't see our own sins, we can just see theirs, we'll withhold from people what God so freely gives to us. Self-deception again. And the Bible says this over and over. If you don't give mercy, you're not going to receive mercy. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And the basis of our forgiveness is not because somebody deserves it. The basis of our forgiveness is that we've been forgiven. So the Bible says you've got to give to other people what God has so freely and frequently given to you. But if you believe that you are better than you really are and become self-righteous, you'll hold that back from people thinking that you may deserve it, but they don't. Here's the second way I believe we're guilty of lying to ourselves, And I know that it looks strange and it sounds strange believing that we're worse than we are now listen closely we're called to hate sin and we're called to recognize sin in our own lives before we recognize it in anybody else's life we need to recognize it in ours and when we recognize sin in our life we ought to we ought to be broken by it we ought to be contrite by it. the Bible the Bible applauds humility the Bible applauds brokenness for sin The Bible applauds remorse for sin. The Bible applauds repentance of sin. All of those things are good, all right? We need to do those things. But there are some people who will go so far as to believe that God can't or won't save them from that sin. And that is an affront to his goodness. Um, One night when we were out witnessing, I've shared the story before, some of you have heard it. One night we were out witnessing, we, we went three at a time to homes and knocked on doors and tried to talk to people about Jesus. We had an evangelism strategy. And wasn't getting anywhere with the man. There were two men and a woman. We went together to this house and um, the husband and wife were there. And two of us men were trying to talk to the man we were not getting anywhere I mean it was a it was a closed door and I knew it and I was just looking for a way to get out then because I knew the Holy Spirit hadn't preceded us before him he wouldn't he didn't want to hear anything he kind of wallowing in self-righteousness a little bit and then I looked over and saw that the lady that went with us had this um, the wife of the home and she literally was just tore up broken just wallowing and I, I I went over to talk to her because I knew the door was shut with the man. I went over to help the sister. And she said, this lady said, God will never forgive me for what I've done. And I'm not going to go into any detail about what she said that she had done, but it, it was awful. She had lived an awful life. Before her and her husband got married, he knew all that, and he was, you know, but she said, I wish I could be forgiven, but I never will be. And, I, and, I, and I, I tried to reason with her at first from the human perspective. Yeah, we're all sinners. No, you don't understand. You're not a sinner like I'm a sinner. And I, I even tried to compare a little bit because I lived a pretty rough, wicked life. But she's like, your sin and my sin does not compare. And so I finally, I, I finally took my Bible and opened it up and turned it around to her. And she was, she was weeping. I mean, she was broken. And I'm like, she's at a good place. This is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, But he don't make you think you can't be saved. That's the, that's the enemy's deception. And that's a self-deception that takes root in our heart. And we believe that we're past the point of forgiveness. Now, you might not run into a lot of people like that, but there are people in the world that believe they can't be saved. That this sin has me so bound, that I've done so wrong, that I've crossed too many lines, that I can't ever get out of where I'm at. I turned my Bible around and opened it to 1 John 1, verse 9. And I wouldn't read it to her. I said, I'm not going to read this. But I, I said, do you believe this book is God's Word? She said, I do believe that. I said, it it contains all the promises of God to us that are found in Christ. The Bible says, "In, in in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. I said, I want you to read 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 to me. And through broken sobs, she began to read. And when she got to that from all unrighteousness, she just completely collapsed. And I said, now, do you believe that? And she said, it's God's word, isn't it? And I said, absolutely it is. And we led her then in the sinner's prayer. Baptized her later. Listen, she was caught up in a self-deception that she had to pay the price for her sin. Because God wouldn't. Yes, the Bible tells us to be broken about sin. Yes, the Bible tells us to repent of sin. The Bible says all of those things about sin in our life. But the Bible, does, the Bible never calls us to self-hatred and self-loathing. In fact, when G, Mitch preaches this all the time. That God has called us to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. If you don't learn to love who you are because of who God made you to be, you'll never be able to love anybody else. Now you can take self-love too far without a doubt. But you can also tell, take the hatred of sin too far and begin to hate and loathe yourself to the point that you believe God can't or won't ever forgive you. And that, is that, that hatred and loathing of self is, is self-deception that is ultimately rooted in this thought, i got to pay my own debt. No, you don't. Jesus already paid it. you just got to receive it. A biblical example of this I believe is Judas listen Judas hated what he had done after he had done it he didn't realize where it was going to go when he did it when he realized that he had just betrayed the blood of an innocent man and they were going to kill Jesus now he didn't believe who Jesus was he obviously didn't accept him as the Messiah um, but instead of repenting, instead, of, you know what Peter did? He cursed Jesus' name and denied that he ever knew him. The difference is when the rooster crowed, Peter fell on his face and wept bitterly in repentance for what he had done. And then next uh, Sunday morning, he went running looking for Jesus. Judas didn't do that. Judas threw those 30 silver coins on the floor of the temple and went out and found a tree and wrapped a rope around his neck and hung himself. the Bible says that he repented himself he did not repent to Christ he paid his own price believing you're worse than you are is self-deception I'm here to tell you I don't care in this building who you are and what you've done or where I don't care where you are right now what you're involved in right now the Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the church. He called himself a blasphemer um, who was the chiefest of sinners. And God saved him and called him to be uh, the greatest apostle of the New Testament. The greatest missionary probably has ever walked the face of the earth. Don't tell me what Jesus can't do for you. I can tell you what he's done for me. I was as far away from him as I could be. And he saved me when I called upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the book says. And the last point is this. Believing that sin has no consequence. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Do not deceive yourself. Sin will always take you Further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Now I I I, I get it because I because I battle this same thing. We we hang on to things in our lives sometimes, thinking, "Oh, that's not a big deal." Other people are guilty of far worse than that. You know, I don't. I'm not the kind of man that I used to be. I've conquered this and I've conquered that and I've conquered the other thing. And this little this little sin is not it's not going to hurt me. You just will keep a rattlesnake in your closet. The Bible says that we ought not to deceive ourselves by thinking that sin has no consequence. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Then he says, be not deceived. And he gives a whole list of people who won't inherit the kingdom. Now we look at that and we say, my name ain't on that list. Hallelujah. You need to read that list. And that ain't an exhaustive list. There's one in Revelation that says, all liars will have a part in the lake of fire. We got to Be careful. I'm not I'm not a homosexual, so I ain't got to worry about. Listen, we can set ourselves up as idolaters very easily. Sin has consequences. And if we lie to ourselves and say it doesn't, we have deceived ourselves and put ourselves in the place of reaping those consequences. Now... This is what I believe for Christians. If you are a true Christian, if you have truly trusted Christ as your personal Savior, and you cherish or harbor sin in your life thinking that you will never have to suffer consequences for it, I believe that you're lying to yourself in thinking that God will not chasten you for your sin. When the Bible says He absolutely will discipline those that He loves. Now, I can tell you something. I ain't never wanted my daddy to whip me. But there's a bunch of times in my life I knew that what I was doing was going to get me a whipping if I got caught. My daddy didn't need GPS, he had one built in. He didn't need Life 360. He found me. And when when he pulled up, I'm like, Lord, I know what it's going to feel like when Jesus comes tonight doing the right thing. The Bible says don't, he don't want us to be ashamed when he comes. And I, there were places my daddy pulled up, at the blue, and I was ashamed to be caught there. And when I got home, there were consequences. Now, if you think you can keep playing around with sin and there will never be any consequences for it in your life, you are lying to yourself. Because the Bible says God will deal with you as a child, and he will whip you if you keep uh, playing around with that sin in your life, and you'll suffer the consequences of it. David suffered the consequences of losing a child and of seeing his family come apart at the seams. That man named Achan that ran into Jericho and got that little bit of gold and that Babylonian garment that, that Joshua told him not and hid it under his tent and refused to confess it, it wound up costing his whole family their life. And, and, and this is the scariest part to me, is that there are a lot of people who, who have convinced themselves that they're Christians who bear no resemblance whatsoever to what the Scripture says a Christian looks like. And it's an easy believism, a cheap grace, and that was, that was a fault, that's a false prophet. That's a false deception. That's a twisted theology. But people have bought into it. And then have begun to lie to themselves about who they are. And when you read what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. He said there's going to be a lot of people on that day that are going to say Lord, Lord. Who are not going to enter the kingdom. They've deceived them. Then they're going to say, But in your name, we did wonderful work. In your name, we cast out devils. In your name, we did all this. And then the Bible says in that 23rd verse, Then he's going to say unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Some translations say, You lovers of lawlessness. You lovers of sin. I never knew you. So for some people, this self-deception is going to end in a final judgment. Exclusion from the kingdom. Self-deception is dangerous. Listen, we got to stop lying to ourselves. And we do that by, we, first, we got to stop trusting our own heart and stop trusting our own judgment. The Apostle Paul said, I don't, I don't judge myself because my judgment has apt to be false. Uh, but I, I, what I'm going to trust and what, the way that I'm going to judge myself is I'm not going to compare me with you, and I'm not going to compare me with me. I'm going to compare me to the Word. we got to stop trusting our own heart. I have people tell me, and you've heard people say, God knows our heart. I'm here to tell you, He does. Better than we know it. And I'm going to tell you something about your heart that the scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 17 in verse 9 that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and that it will lie to you. You may not even know the reality. But that 10th verse goes on to say I the Lord search the heart. I try the reins to give to every man according to his ways, the fruit of his doings. We got to stop trusting our own judgment and start trusting what God says. We got to stop measuring ourselves by each other, measure ourselves by the word. We've got to start praying the prayer. Sit before God and pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We need to sit before the Lord and pray that prayer and listen to what He says. I'm here to tell you, God will put His hand He'll put his finger on the place in your life where you're failing, falling short, cherishing sin. He'll pull away the self-deception. We need to not only sit before him in prayer, but we need to sit before him in the word. Um, I don't, I'm not going to go read the whole context, but go look at James chapter 1 Verse 22. And the following verses, James said this. Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Because if you, if you don't do what the word says, you are deceiving yourself. And then he gave us illustration. He said a man that hears the word but doesn't apply the word is like a man that looks at himself in the mirror and walks away forgetting what he just saw. Now let me tell you something. If I got up in the morning and I'm convinced there's a lot of people at Walmart do this. <laughs> if I got up in the morning and looked at myself in the mirror and walked away like that y'all going to be talking about me for a week. Did you see the preacher yesterday He like I ain't combed his hair, brushed his teeth in two weeks. The Bible said that's what, that's what we look like when we look in the word we, we know what it says, but we don't apply what it says. Like a man who just looked himself in, in the mirror and like, oh my, and didn't do anything about it. We need to sit before God and pray the prayer that the psalmist prayed. We need to sit before the word and say, God, I hear you now. Let me believe that and let me do that. Let me, let me receive that, let me apply that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you this morning to ask the Lord right now. When we start singing, the musicians can come. When we start singing, I want you just—you ain't got to even sing. I want you to bow your head and say, "Lord, I want you to reveal any habits in my life that are not glorifying to you. I want to—I re- want you to reveal to me any hang-ups that I have, um, that are that are putting a dam up in my life to your truth flowing through it and purifying me. I, if I'm harboring bitterness, if I'm harboring harboring unforgiveness, if I'm harboring anything in my life that does not bring you glory." I want you to show that to me right now and I, I promise you this if the Spirit of God lives in you he gonna speak to you he he can peel back that self-deception in an instant I can't tell you how many times in my life when I've been sincere and honest and say Lord I'm having a hard time seeing myself clearly, probably because I'm focusing on too many other folks right now, but right now I want you to see me and I want you to tell me who I am. I don't want to be that lay in church. I want to see what you see. And when you pray that prayer in sincerity, I'm telling you, God to peel back the layer and he'll show you stuff you didn't know was still hiding. Because we've been lying to ourselves. And even this morning if you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit can still work. He can still take take the Word of God and make it come alive for you. And don't don't live in self-deception. Don't don't live in that deception of, I think I'm alright. I hope I'm alright. I don't care how many times you've prayed a prayer to be saved and how many times you've walked through a baptism pool. If you're not sure of your salvation, the Bible says you can have assurance. And that assurance don't need to come from me or another pastor, and it certainly don't need to come from within you. It needs to come from the Word of God. We gotta stop lying to ourselves. The most dangerous deception in the world is not the false prophets and the worldly wisdom. They're dangerous. The most dangerous deception in the world is what we do to ourselves by believing our own lies. Let's stand. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. It's, peeled back some layers on my life this week I've been up on my soapbox about all the deceivers that are in the world about the false prophets and the worldly wisdom and they need to be called out and we ought to call them out and I'm not ashamed of doing that but I've also been forced to admit this week that I'm guilty sometimes of thinking that I'm better than I am And I'm grateful that you love me enough to show me that. I pray that you do that right now in this place this morning. In any way that we're lying to ourselves. If we think that we're better than we are. If we think that we're worse than we are. And that we can't be delivered from whatever we're wrestling with. If we're holding on to some sin, believing it'll never really cost us anything. Lord, it's time for us to renounce all those lies this morning. Sit before you in prayer. Sit before your word in faith. Just believe what you say this morning. If there's one here that's lost, don't know Jesus, our personal Savior. May they hear the word and respond to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. I just pray you'd bless this invitation and have your will in your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.